Welcome to the QNS Podcast. Each week, we take a look at some of the week's news in Queens. I'm Jacob K. And I'm Angelica Acevedo. So a few weeks ago, we spoke with Lauren Ashcraft. She's a Democratic Socialist and a comedian, and she's challenging longtime Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney in New York's 12th Congressional District. But she's not the only progressive challenging the Northwest Queens representative. In fact, there are two others. There's Siraj Patel, who actually ran against Maloney in 2018, and there's Peter Harrison, a housing activist who we're going to speak to today. And we're going to bring you more on this race, right? Right. We're actually both pretty interested in this race, and I think for valid reasons. We touched on some of those reasons in both our interviews with Ashcraft and with Harrison. But just to name a few, the district covers parts of three boroughs and covers neighborhoods that are almost exact opposites in nature. And this congressional race is also pretty representative of some of the political battles going on across the country. It's the progressive movement versus the establishment Democrats. And in this case, there's three progressives, which is actually pretty fascinating. So we're going to talk with Siraj Patel in an upcoming episode. But today we talked to Peter Harrison. He's going to tell you about who he is, what he stands for, and why he's running. So let's just get into it. Here's our conversation with Peter Harrison. Thank you for being with us, Peter. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to uh, speaking with you. So just to begin, can you just tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have been living in New York 12 and a city for 14 years. The last 11 have been in Stuyvesant Town in the East Village. I am running because I'm a housing activist and policy writer. I'm a democratic socialist. I teach information technology at Baruch College. And um, I've actually co-founded two startup companies. So I think I bring um, some pretty interesting experiences over that last 14 years uh, into the race, specifically why I'm running on housing and um, public transportation and and some working class issues. I think that's really uh, my experience in, in New York 12 is probably more illustrative of folks in New York 12 than I think the popular media conception of it being. Um, and I think that's because the Upper East Side sort of dominates the narrative of what New York 12 is. But realistically, it's younger, it's diverse, it's it's struggling in many cases. So I think my time here has been pretty illustrative of that. Can you just tell us a little more about why why you're running for office? Yeah, I mean, I I have to say it's, uh, you know, probably a little bit cliche at this point, but I had been very inspired by Bernie Sanders in 2016. I'd actually studied some of his work as, at, uh, as mayor of Burlington on some community land trusts back in 2012, so I was very excited about him. But uh, it was specifically AOC's race in 2018 where I helped out a lot that made me think that there's space for more activism and more sort of left-leaning ideas in the Democratic Party. But I think really what I'm running on is this huge problem that we have at the federal level, which is there's a huge bias against cities. And I think that cities are where the future of our country and our planet will be won or lost. They are you know, these incubators of innovation and progress and democracy. But right now, of course, in New York City, they're not working. It's just stratifying. You've got in New York 12, thousands of homeless New Yorkers next to these super tall, empty skyscrapers on 57th Street. So I think really the problem is we don't really have anybody in Congress that's specifically championing cities. And there's obviously the Electoral College, there's gerrymandering, there's all these problems that are really compounding um, an underrepresentation about cities and for cities at the federal level, which is a huge problem because obviously most Americans live in cities right now. That's only going to increase as we um, get further into the 21st century. 
But right now, they're, they're stratified economically. You're not building enough housing and protecting renters. You're not fortifying the city uh, specifically against climate disaster. And uh, obviously, there's a, just an immense amount of systemic racism that has been atrophied really kind of across the city. So we're not doing a good job of making cities work to be the vehicles of progress that they need to be. So I think that really needs to change. And given my background as an urban planner, um, as a housing activist, I think I'm the right person to champion cities at Congress. Kind of in the same vein of bringing cities to the forefront of like a federal policy, you're getting ready to announce a transit plan, which would be funded by federal dollars. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about that plan? Yeah, sure. We're, we're really excited about this. Kind of the core three things that I'm running on um, is the Homes Guarantee, which I helped work on, which is a really ambitious federal housing plan. Um, but the second one is what I'm calling the Movement in America plan. And uh, this is really kind of a historic corrective for federal policy. It's well known, of course, that the federal government has really put all of our federal transportation policy and funding into car ownership highways, roads, bridges, et cetera. And that's had a really pretty disastrous result for our country. Not only has the environmental damage just been astronomical um, in terms of our carbon footprint, but, you know, roads are dangerous. There are a number of, um, you know, deaths every year, sort of a Vietnam-level death rate every year in terms of automobile accidents um, and sort of social isolation. So what the freedom of a movement in America is really all about is fixing that corrective and changing federal policy from automobiles to public transportation. And a couple of the really key points, and then I'll save the rest for, for when you cover it on Tuesday, but the really big things that I'm advocating for are, number one, um, federal dollars should go into capital and operations for public transportation systems. So we need more coverage. We need more accessibility, um, certainly in New York City, but across other major cities. Um, but that's stuff like making every elevator work or having every station have an elevator, making sure sidewalks are safe, bike lanes are protected and expanded. Um, so just the idea of giving federal support for expanding existing coverage and operations and then building sort of good critical infrastructure. The second really big thing is the fare-free transit aspect of this. I think public transportation should be free. We've got to get people out of cars. And I think one way to do that is to make it free to have a uh, alternative transportation source. So making the buses free, making the subways free. These are all things that are actually entirely affordable, but we're just not deciding to do that at the local level because it's a sort of limited budget. So the federal government can step in and do that. And then the final thing is to switch our entire transportation uh, infrastructure into 100% carbon neutral, uh, sort of a Green New Deal for cities through the public transportation system. That's electric buses. That's a little bit more decarbonizing our fossil fuel industry where we're getting uh, energy from for trains and for buses. So it's a very, very ambitious 10-year plan to get every public transportation system in America to have you know 100% accessibility, growth of ridership, fare-free uh, across systems, and then expand on um, some service provisions where there are plenty of de uh, transit deserts, uh, specifically in, even in New York 12. So this is uh, you know, one of those big ideas that you just the time has come for it. The cost of doing it is 
a lot, but the cost of not doing it is more. And I think that's really where the narrative has to shift in terms of our transportation policy. I'm really excited to be leading the way on that. So New York 12 is uh, a strange district in, in the way that it covers multiple boroughs, and it's also home to Billionaires Row and the largest public housing community in the United States. Um, so how do you how do you represent a district that has people on so opposite sides of the economic spectrum? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the most economically segregated and unequal districts in the country. And uh, I think on the surface of that, it looks like it looks pretty hard to find a sort of unifying force for that. But actually, I think there's a simple one. And the interesting stat that I like to talk about for New York 12 is it's 72 percent home renters. So that's folks in Queensbridge. That's folks like me in Stuyvesant Town. That's people in Greenpoint. That's walk-ups in, uh, in the Upper East Side. So I think that's a really good place to start to say that, well, you know, forget what you hear kind of in the press or popular imagination about New York 12. This is a district of renters. And the crazy thing is there are no renters in Congress, even though it's 36% of the American population and growing because, again, people are moving to cities. So I think starting there and advocating for home renters is a really big opportunity to bring some new folks to the polls in New York 12, to bring some folks back to the polls, and to really unify people in a way that I don't think has been done on a, a campaign specifically around housing. And I think I'm a really good voice to do that. So that's really kind of where we've started, and, and that's where we're knocking on doors. And that's where I think a lot of the uh, ideas that we have are resonating. It's not hard, given the, the scale of the housing crisis, um, to knock on any door in New York 12 and have something to offer, uh, be it for public transportation or for housing. So I, I'm really excited about kind of owning that narrative and uh, and uniting the district around that. It's also a, a crowded race with four challengers to Maloney, including yourself, um, all of whom consider themselves progressive. Uh, what would you say to someone who might think that might end up uh, splitting the vote and giving the win to Maloney. Yeah, I've uh, I've certainly gotten that, as I'm sure others in the race have gotten. You know, I I think the the point of all of this is to question the Democratic Party's priorities, and I talk about this a lot when I'm talking to constituents. You know, the problem is the Democratic Party is fighting for the big real estate developers, the corporate monopolies, and the extremist billionaires that are really extracting wealth from our city. And the person that is best represented to fight against that, at the end of the day, like, you know, hopefully we all agree on similar policy ideas. But then you've got to look at who's been out there fighting the longest for it. Um, I've been an activist in the district for 10 years, going back to Occupy Wall Street, um, all the way up to getting arrested with uh, Jumani Williams and a bunch of housing activists this summer fighting Andrew Cuomo and for the Housing Justice for All Coalition. Um, so I think what we have to ask people, whether they, they've never voted before in New York 12 or have long time voted for Carolyn Maloney, is what is really at stake here and what is the opportunity to think about new types of leadership? Uh, but I think you've got you've to follow that question up with a promise that you're the right person to fight for. You've got the track record for doing that. And I definitely feel like I'm that person. So I think, you know, it's about getting the message out there staying positive and, and being inclusive, um, and just really saying who the bad guys are here. It's it's the folks that are funding Carolyn Maloney for many, many years. So I think that's really where I'm focusing on my message. I'm focusing on home renters. There are a lot of home renters in the district, a lot of people to talk to. So I think uh, that's really where the 
um, you know, where victory will come through. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out amongst uh, the progressives and, and some of the folks that are a little bit more middle of the road. But I think the stakes are so high that people are open to change, and that's really where we're starting. Thanks so much for talking to us, Peter. Appreciate it. Looking for something to do this week? We got you covered as always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that in the sky? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Yeah, no, that's a bird. Join the Queens County Bird Club to explore birds from Southeast Asia in this special presentation. It's at the Alley Pond Environmental Center in Oakland Gardens on Wednesday, February 19th at 7.30 p.m. Refreshments will be served and admission is free. Kick back and enjoy the perfect blend of savory food and smooth jazz at Bayside Historical Society's annual jazz brunch. It's on Sunday, February 23rd from 12 to 3 p.m. Tickets are 50 for non-members and 45 for members. And you can buy your tickets on the Bayside Historical Society's website. So I asked you earlier if you had (laughs) seen Sorry to Bother You, and you said that you had, but that you couldn't really remember the plot, and you didn't pay very close attention to it, but I have great news for you. Tell me. It is showing at the Lewis Latimer House on Sunday, February 23rd at 2 p.m. Go support Lakeith. Exactly. This episode was co-hosted by Angelica Acevedo and me, Jacob Kay. I edited and mixed the episode. Both Angelica and I are reporters, as are Max Parrott, Jenna Batcall, Carlotta Muhammad, and Bill Perry. Our editor is Zach Welp. Music in this episode by Blue Dot Sessions. Published by Schneps Media. See you next week. Mm-hmm.